Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, science advisor, Matt Moniz, and psychic medium, Stephanie Burke, is here. She'll be in the studio in just a few moments. But we are here to talk about the paranormal, as we are each and every Saturday night. And i got to just press some buttons here and make it so that uh, the radio can go back to commercials and all that good stuff. Uh, and we are streaming only on SpookySouthCoast.com, as well as on the WBSM app as well as on the WBSM website, as well as on YouTube, as well as on the Paranormal Radio app, and on Twitter as well. Matt, tell us about what you do with the Twitter. Uh, The Twitter is just kind of like a tease, uh, if anybody does actually watch stuff on Twitter, or might see us in passing. So it's just a little few seconds? Uh, no, it's the whole broadcast, but it's um, also the uh, YouTube chat as well, so you can kind of see like what's going on, and hopefully click over and um, kind of and join us. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, hopefully everybody joins us uh, that sees it, and hopefully people follow us on Twitter at Spooky SC. That's a great way to keep up with everything that we do during the week. Uh, Matt likes to put some stuff up there during the week, and of course on our Facebook page as well with all the weird stories of the week and anything strange that strikes his fancy he puts up there and we get a lot of conversation going uh during the week on some of those posts so if you are not following us on social media across the board we highly recommend that you do how's our myspace doing i haven't checked that lately oh it's uh it's flourishing right Right. do we do we still have enough friends to have a top eight (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> I was thinking about MySpace uh, the other day because I don't want to... Well, we're on the stream, so I don't think anybody that works here during the day is listening. Uh, one of the sales executive, uh, sales uh, account executives here, one of the salespeople, uh, said to me... He had a, a virus on his computer. And I said, well, I don't know how you would have gotten that virus. Like, just going to the regular website, you should have gone during the day. He goes, you know, it, it showed up one day after I, I went to MapQuest... And I said, you went to MapQuest? What'd you go to MapQuest for? Like, when did this happen? Ten years ago? Yeah, I mean, you, you got to print out directions. And... Yeah. yeah. Well, like, nobody goes to MapQuest anymore, but uh just goes to show you that, uh, you, you know, the, the Internet is... The, the, somewhere I'd like to see, like... I'd like to see somebody create, like, an Internet graveyard. <laughs> where, you know, we have the Internet archive. We can go back and check out old websites. Right. With the Wayback Machine and all that. I would love to see an internet graveyard where somebody just aggregates all the websites that we used to go to, but now we would never even think to go to. Like Ask Jeeves. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Alta Vista. Yeah. Uh, how about Net? How about Netscape? Uh, you still have to go there to check your mail. Yes, I do. <laughs> you're, the, you're the only person that still has a Netscape email address. That works. You you use a Netscape. Uh, Art Bell still used a MindSpring email address. 
Uh, I still get emails from people that have AOL email addresses. And there are still people that use AOL. Not the, not the dial-up service, but they still will do everything on the Internet through the AOL gateway. So they go to AOL.com. Oh, wow. And like that's what their homepage is set for, and that's how they get the things. Because I guess they still have all those options. Like you can hit like the bar, and it'll take you to like news, and then this one will take you to shopping and all that. So you, you know, you don't need those, right? Some people are just uh, set in their ways. I don't know if you remember, but even when people were still using AOL to get onto the internet, we kind of got past using all of those things to get to things. Remember. Um when you got mail, you could have like a celebrity. Like, yeah, you could have like David Letterman. We had David Letterman. Do you remember what he said, David Letterman? Um, it was a great uh, did one. Did he call you a putz? No, no. He says, uh, "You've got mail, Skippy." <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said when you had mail, and uh, they they had some pretty good ones, some pretty good celebrities. But we should have done. We should have gotten on that bandwagon. Although we started after AOL, AOL kind of died before we started. Did we have to use free AOL discs to access the internet in the early days of the show? No, I think we were past that. We okay. were slightly past it. I think we, it was. We were on, we were on uh, we were on DSL. Yeah. I I had I briefly had DSL at that time, and I I didn't have it for very long. <laughs> uh, I remember uh, some of my early connections to the internet, like when I first moved out on my own. So I moved out on my own in two thousand one. It was actually September eleventh was going to be the day that I moved into my house on my own. Not to uh, not to make September 11th about myself. No, of course. Not. But it w- it was going to be the day that I was going to move out on my own because I had moved stuff in all weekend long, but my cable wasn't on because I guess whatever the cable got, um, you know, I, I, you know how it goes. Like they'll be like, oh, we'll be there Wednesday, and then they show up Friday, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I didn't have any cable, so I had stayed at my parents' house on Monday night because I wanted to watch Monday Night Raw. So I stayed at my parents' house, watched wrestling with my mom and my brother, and uh, went to bed. Woke up the next morning, went to work. You know, we find out, I'm, I'm working, we find out about what was going on in New York. And then uh, I went home, and I sat in my, my bedroom, which was my parents' basement. I had, like, a nice little entertainment room set up with a TV and everything. You know, Matt used to come over, and we'd hang out, yeah, wrestling pay-per-views, and... Stuff like that, and we'd watch movies. And so, anyway, I'm sitting there watching all this stuff on the news, and, and I go upstairs, like just everybody, you know, how everybody was just walking around in shock. Yeah. And uh, I said to my mom, I said, uh, I'll probably just stay for dinner before I go to my house. And she looked at me and she said, eh, Maybe you should just stay here for another day or two. So I ended up staying there for the rest of the week and didn't move in until Sunday. But not taking into account that I didn't have the same internet package that my parents had. <laughs> so <laughs> when I moved out, I was like, oh, I can just, uh, I can get by on this like dial up speed. And I was already working as a sports writer at the time. And, you know, the internet was a big part of my job. And, and, and I realized, yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't use this internet. One of the jobs that I had at the time, I don't know if you remember this map, but do you remember I, I had the chance to, uh, I was a I was a movie reviewer. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. For uh, I was a movie reviewer for adult videos. Oh, I had a, a great job. They paid me like f- no, it was like twenty bucks a review, wasn't it? It wasn't bad. Um, I don't remember, but but 
they would send me the videos over the internet. Oh, God. And I had to download them and watch them. It wasn't even like a like a streaming thing, because this is before they even had YouTube or any of that stuff. So they would just send me like this link, and it wasn't the whole movie. It was kind of just like clips, but it was like a like a 10-minute version of the movie, which, by the way, you know, anybody yeah. that watches porn knows that's about eight minutes more than anybody's going to watch. But it was, it would take me like an hour to download the file just so I could watch. It took me longer to download the file than it took me to write the reviews. So the job did not last very long. Uh, and I was using Netscape for my internet service at one point <laughs> because it was free. Uh, but yeah, those days are glad those days are gone. Uh, but I remember, you know, being on that crappy internet and looking up ghost stuff. And one of the only sites that I could find was I found Ghost Village, but I had no idea, you know, who Jeff was or and what Shadowlands. Uh, I don't know if I ever found that one. I found a lot of uh, like online encyclopedia type pages where it was not like Wikipedia, where it was put up by people, but like things that were kind of, uh, I don't want to say academic because I can't say for sure they were put up by anybody in academia, but they just, they came across as being very academic. And uh, then there was a few pages of like people collecting ghost stories, but nothing that was serious research. So I, you know, I, I had an, a little bit of a rudimentary education that people went out there and looked for this stuff because I knew about Ed and Lorraine Warren already because I'd seen them on shows like Unsolved Mysteries and you know all those I'm type of shows. Of. Yeah, so I knew about them. I knew about John Zaffis. You know, I knew about these people that were out there, but I didn't know how prevalent it was that people were actually doing this. And I never found the TAPS website until Ghost Hunters aired on TV. But I remember watching the show and saying to myself, these guys are from Rhode Island. I wonder if they have a website. And then I went on to the internet and I saw their site and I was like, oh, not only are they from Rhode Island, but they're like writing about things that are in this area. And so that just kind of mm -hmm. put me down that rabbit hole of looking into more of that stuff and then seeing the sites that they had linked up to took me to other sites and then we're kind of off to the races with doing all this stuff. But even when we started doing Spooky South Coast, or getting ready to do Spooky South Coast, it was, I think it was, what, September of 2005? Or maybe even maybe even earlier than that. Maybe it was still the summer of 2005. But we got the call, or I got the call saying, you know, I could I could do a radio show and whatever I wanted. And I said, I'll, you know, I want to do it on the paranormal. And so Matt and I started researching stuff. And for those of you who have never heard us mention it before, we spent you know, a few months building topics and, and building ideas and really learning how to run stuff in here helped out really well. We still don't know what we're doing. At least I don't. Matt, Matt's got it handled over there. He's really great at this, but we need him more over there. So uh, what we just started researching as much as we can. And we were able to get by, but then Moniz comes in when he joins the show a few months later with just a giant folder full of information. So really, if it wasn't for some of those early websites that were out there, and if it wasn't for Moniz's giant folder, like we wouldn't have had the 
the background that we had to get into this stuff. So that giant boulder was the old school stuff. That's you know before the interweb really was prevalent, and it was stuff that you know that did help us and stuff that we turned into yeah. show topics. And now it's all these years later, and there's probably still show topics in there that we haven't covered. Do you still have the folder? I thought you had it. Okay. I've, somebody has it. It's got to be somewhere. Yeah, it's got to be somewhere. It's probably like still in, it's probably like in a box somewhere in my basement. No, or, it's with the banner. Yeah. And the stickers. No, we know, we know the where the banner ended up. We know where the banner ended up. Speaking of T-shirts, at uh, at request, we have started a Spooky South Coast store. And thank you, Matt, for linking it up on the website. If you go to SpookySouthCoast.com, you can click on the store. There's all kinds of cool things you can buy. No thongs, Monies. Mm-hmm. Don't get excited. Uh, the, the thong was Monies' uh, exclusive domain back in 2007, 2008. But um, we, did, we did put up the site, uh, put up the store. And we just have the one logo out there now, the original Spooky South Coast logo that everybody was asking for. But we'll we'll get some different designs up there. Uh, so I don't know if the sale is still going on, but they start off things with a sale at T Public. So if you go over there, you might still be able to get those special prices. But it was it was recommended to me by a friend who buys all of his stuff off T Public, and he said it's really good quality and really comfortable. So we'll find out. Yeah, we'll see. That's why I've always hesitant, you know, been hesitant to go with one of those sites because we had bad experiences in the early days with Cafe Press, which people right. tell me is still not that great. But there's T-shirts, there's hoodies, which are like the two things people have been asking for the most. But there's tank tops, there's baseball tees, which surprisingly, you know, people like. Hmm. Never been a baseball shirt fan myself. That style? No, not really. Uh, just like I don't like V-necks. I don't think many guys like V-necks. Don't like turtlenecks at all. I hate turtlenecks. Those are really weird. They only look good sometimes. I, I don't know anybody. Most people that I know that wear turtlenecks, and I don't mean this to to sound as bad as it does, but are foreign people. It's a thing. Well, Makes I, sense. I, I don't know a lot of American people that wear turtlenecks. It's mostly foreign people, and I don't know if it's just more of a prevalent design. Like in Europe, or I don't know, very European, like, <laughs> a, like a like a handbag. By the way, I'm not exactly. I didn't. I I didn't. Oh my goodness! I didn't just see what I thought I, don't I think saw. That can't be real. I think that has to be wrong. Did I you think, type that in wrong? I think Anna made a mistake. You're gonna have to send her a refund. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did you just, did you swear on the radio? <laughs> Good thing we're stream only. Uh, wow, speechless. Well, thank you. I mean, that's the first thing we can Well, say. thank you for the attempt, but I, did you mean that much? Yeah. I think that's a, that's a mistype. Yes, it's got to be. You can, you, we'll, we'll find a way to fix that. Um, but yeah, turtlenecks, are, there's no turtlenecks in the store. No turtlenecks. Uh, but there's tote bags. People like to I did see that. People like tote bags. I don't get it. Well, you know what? I'm not a tote bag person. I'm not usually a tote bag person either, but a lot of people like to put all their equipment in it on investigations. But I carry a backpack. Just, everything so. just jumbles together in... Right. Like, my backpack has, like, you know, pockets and has, like, dividers and different zippers. Like, that's why I use my backpack. Right. Otherwise, I would never... I would never just use a regular backpack and throw stuff in. I would like to tell Sometimes you... Sometimes I do that at the end of the night. But. That that 
that I use a backpack for that reason too, but no, I just throw it all in. And usually I find like random gummy bears at the bottom of my bag too. So my mine is uh, used batteries. I find used batteries. Like I just have to dump my backpack out and dump a, and I yeah. take my backpack to Patriots games and so I take out all my equipment and then I put in all the stuff that I need for the game and then when I go into the media entrance, they have dogs that sniff the bags. So like the dogs are pretty well trained to you know, like, my backpack's always going to smell like my dog. It's always going to smell like the pizza that we had at the event the night before. You know, all that stuff. But, so the dogs <laughs> the are kind of trained to ignore all of that stuff. But uh, for some reason, like, they always end up having to open up my bag, and they're like, why is there a bunch of batteries in the bottom of your bag? Like, well, we can just throw those away. So I try to make sure I get them all, but I don't always get them all. Um, but anyway, there's tote bags there for people that do like a tote. Yep. Uh, and there's, uh, you know, there's a coffee mug. There's a travel mug. I was looking at some some of it I might be interested in getting myself, you know. There's uh notebooks. Notebooks are cool. Yeah, notebooks are good. There's a, a like a I don't know if it's a laptop case or if it's a, a tablet case, but there's mm-hmm. like a, a little zipper case there. And uh what about a case for a phone? Can we, there's phone can cases get... on there. Yep. Okay. You can get a phone case. Um and what was the other thing that was on there that I thought was, Oh, there's stickers. Like See, bumper stickers? Uh, like the little round stickers. Oh. So, But they're a pretty good size. So you can like put them. People don't want bumper stickers anymore. People don't put stuff on their bumper. They put stuff on their windows. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's what, what I really would like for us to get. You know the family? You know how That'd they have so like, the family? We should just do like a family one with like all of us and like a Bigfoot and an alien and a ghost. We could probably pull that up. There's, there's somebody out there that's an artist that will design that. I was saying to a friend of mine, I was, you know, he was he's he's starting a new podcast, and uh, and we'll have them on and talk about it because it's going to be it's not going to be a lot of paranormal topics, although one of the hosts of the the new podcast is pretty interested in paranormal topics, but he's big into conspiracy theories, so the conspiracy theories is going to work their way in while they're also talking about like pop culture things and comic book things and things like that, so we'll probably have them on to to promote it, but so he was talking to me about how he's going to have somebody design. A logo, and, you know, when it comes up, like, well, who designed your logo? It's like, well, that was just that was a fan. That was a, f- a friend of ours in the early days, Melissa, who designed that logo for us. I don't even know what happened. I haven't heard from her in forever. Yeah, uh, which is probably not a good thing because she since got sick. Actually, since we lost MySpace. Yeah, but remember, yeah. she was sick. So I yeah, hope, I hope, uh, yeah, I hope things worked out okay. But I said to him, I said, well, that's that's weird that you're like paying somebody to design logos and stuff. Like, we just throw it open. It's a contest because our fans are so creative. So now that we have this store, if you have any design ideas, let us know. And we can we can make a design. We can kind of put up as many as we want, I think. So maybe we can finally make that Moni shirt we were talking about all those years ago. Nah. We have had a plan for... Uh, different designs, like in the early, like the cafe press days, and one of the shirts that we wanted to design was a a big picture of Moniz, like like forehead first, you know, like you know, like kind of like with your chin tucked down, yeah, you know, like with that kind of with like you know lightning bolts coming out of your head. I think it would have done pretty well. There are people that um, if I go to the chat room right now, there'll be people that will be saying, "I absolutely want that." <laughs> So uh, yeah, so that stuff is there uh, on the store if you if you're interested in taking part in any of that. 
I also want to say thank you to everybody last night that stayed up with me for six hours. I was not one of those people. No. And I think there was very few people that I'm aware of that stayed for the entire six hours. One person uh, hit me up on Twitter and said, I fell asleep at the beginning of, of Midnight in the Desert. He said, no offense toward you or the show. I was just tired, but he fell asleep in the first hour of Midnight in the Desert. And then by the time he woke up from his, you know, his night's sleep, we were still on the air. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a marathon. Uh, we had a great discussion on Midnight in the Desert with uh, somebody that we w- were going to bring on to the show uh, ourselves um, to talk about UFOs because she did have a very interesting and topical for our area UFO sighting. And I was talking with Moniz about this uh, last night. We were talking with Dr. Irina Scott, and she's somebody who's done a lot of work on UFO lies and cover-ups, but she's telling us this story about her first UFO sight. And I don't want to jump the gun because we are going to bring her on the show, Moniz, but when she was younger, check this out. Maybe you've heard this before, but when she was younger, she had an experience. Her and her sister were in their room as kids, and these little, like, flying things came into their room, but they don't know how it got in. There was no, like, went wide open window without a screen. There was no holes in any of the screens. But these little flying things kind of came into their house and, and buzzed around and buzzed around their room and then just, like, went up toward the ceiling and disappeared. Fairies? No. I, I've heard this dozens of times. And so that's what she said, too. She said in her research, like, she's found a lot of other people yeah. that have had these experiences only to be followed later on by yeah. a full-out UFO sighting. Correct. And uh, and I'm not going to give away all the all the details uh, here, but she had a sighting in, uh, a few years later, and it was actually in 1968, July of 1968, outside of Boston. And when she started describing what she saw and where she was, I... I asked her for a few more specifics, and, and she had a UFO sighting in the Bridgewater Triangle. So, and there's some other really interesting aspects of that as well, because somebody saw her have her sighting, and uh, danger ensued. So, if you want to check out that for yourself, you can go to midnightinthedesert.com, subscribe, become a time traveler, and get the archives. And you can hear it for yourself. Really, just fascinating to, to to start putting pieces together. Here's you know we we hear all these stories from this area, and we were talking today, Moniz, you and I, yeah. about 1968 was a huge UFO flap in this area, very huge. And you've done some research, and and you know somebody who's done research on a lot uh, of these that were in Rhode Island. Uh, a lot of the major researchers and were friends of mine. A good good example is Joe Ferrier, who who established Probe Magazine back in '68 because of all of these sightings. Uh, I spent, you know, weeks with him uh, going over a lot of the, a lot of the sightings, from mid 1967 all the way through 68 to the beginning of 69. This area from basically Newport, Rhode Island, all the way out to the tip of the Cape, was inundated with almost daily UFO sightings. And and we had them uh, on the south coast. There was a heavy concentration of them around Round Hill in Dartmouth. Yeah. Uh, so we've talked in the past about Colonel Green's mansion, and we've talked about um, when they have the, the radio telescope out there, what, what 
Some people in this area call the martini glass. Mm-hmm. I was told that that was the mm-hmm. Standard Times creation of calling it that. But, you know, they had the radio telescope that was out there. And um, I think until the... I don't know when the Van de Graaff generator left Round Hill and went to the Museum of Science. But the Van de Graaff generator that's in the Museum of Science... I want to say the 70s. So maybe it was still out there at that time. Maybe they were still doing experiments out there with it. But the, the Van de Graaff generator at the Boston Museum of Science that they used for the lightning show was constructed by MIT at Round Hill Correct. Mm-hmm. for doing these experiments. So that's they think that maybe it was this experimentation that was drawing some of these, these UFOs in. So the... Um, the you guys really... You, that didn't work. Like we it still, didn't. That's we still why heard I did it on purpose. Because um, he didn't realize it. But I think that that's a big reason why that there was that flap. At least, at least drawing it into this area. You know, maybe it was happening all over, but while they were here, this is kind of drawing their attention. So they're like, well, let's go see what that what those experiments are that they're doing over there. Or what if they came in for the experiments and liked the rest of the places? Yeah. Kind of like an alien vacation. Yeah, could have gone either way, but... No matter which, Chicken or the egg. no matter which it was, there was a lot of UFO sightings here at that time. Well, don't forget, in this area we have a high collection of, um, we'll call it, high value targets. A lot of military bases in the area. We got uh, the bolt building plant in Rhode Island, right down, right down along the water, and it was also the height of the Vietnam War, right, and the Cold War. So. We had an active war, so our military was constantly, um, I'll use the term, shuffling assets around. So so that's going to draw some attention. Correct. Uh, And also, one of the other things about this area at that time, and I'm not sure of my exact timelines of things, but, uh, you know, we can go back and see, like, when they started putting in the interstate and when they started putting in some of these bigger travel areas. So they were they were making because this point was you know we were a vacation area, yeah, uh, around here especially going down to the Cape. But they started putting in you know under Eisenhower they started the interstate system, and as that is spreading, and as they're putting in more of these roads, it's becoming more accessible. So we're getting new people to this area. We're getting more people to this area. Well, 195 was built in 1967, 66 through uh, 68. So we're bringing in yeah. not only that construction, but we're bringing in the people that that brings in as well. So maybe that's you know somehow related. I'm not saying that it is, but I'm saying it's something else that was going on at the time. Uh, but I just found it very interesting that as she's telling me the story, I'm like, how weird is it that I'm the host this night? When she's coming in to talk about her UFO experience that happened in the Bridgewater Triangle, she doesn't live around here. Uh, but when they booked her for the show, they didn't realize that Dave Schrader was taking the night off and that I would be filling in. So then when Dave asked me to fill in, producer Michelle reached out and said, well, here's who I already booked. If you want to change it, we can change it. And I said, no, that's fine. Like, I'm, I'm game for whatever. Don't go shuffling people around because of me. You know, they're booked for that date. I will talk about whatever topics it is that you need to have me. I love that. I love that challenge of maybe I don't know about something and let me learn about it along with the audience. So, and then she found out it was my birthday yesterday. And so she was like, really? Like, can I change the guest to something that you want to talk about? And I was like, nope, nope, nope. It's fine. And then come to find out within the first five minutes of talking to Dr. Scott finds out, well, well, that's why, you know, there's a connection there. So... 
Worked out pretty well. Very interesting discussion. But one of the things we did talk about, too, is the Project Blue Book series that's coming out to History Channel. They do have the first episode up as like a preview, and I meant to watch it today, but I didn't. Um, but it's it's on there. It's on on demand for anybody that wants to check it out. I looked at so the first episode. I forget what the title was of the first episode, but obviously that's going to be a scene setter about Doctor J. Allen Hynek and Project Blue Book and all the things that it was all about. But then the second episode is called the Flatwoods Monster. So I'm starting to think, like, already this is going where I think it's going to go, where they're going to encompass all kinds of weird and woo topics and put it under the umbrella of Project Blue Book, even if it wasn't part of the Project Blue Book file. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm thinking is going to end up happening. It's going to just basically turn into the X-Files of the 1960s. Well, they did did do a lot of investigation of not just, you know, really UFOs. But I, I think they're going to start taking like some of the popular things that are coming out now, things that are getting the buzz now, because, you know, with all the stuff that like Small Town Monsters has done, Flatwoods, Flatwoods Monsters become back in the fold again. Um, so I think they're going to kind of take advantage of what the popular topics are of the year. Okay. Uh, of, the, of, of our era, more than like going through like a chronological database of the Blue Book files. I mean, I don't know the exact chronology of what's in Project Blue Book, but I'm going to assume that that's kind of what they're doing. They're basically just using this as the as the narrative device for an X-Files type series. But whatever. If it's fun, it's fun. And that's all that matters these days. Just make it be a good show. So we'll see what happens with that. And uh, and I thought you would have also been interested in the second hour last night, Moniz. We talked about stem cells. Oh. And about adult stem cells. There's a, a doctor um, who we were talking to and who, out in California, they have a clinic where they are taking stem cells from adult fat cells. So when you go in there, they they take some of your fat and they pull the stem cells out of there and then they inject them wherever you need them. So you're using your own DNA mm-hmm. to repair yourself instead of you know, getting these stem cell sprays or whatever from, from embryonic stem cells or amniotic stem cells. So you're getting your own stem cells put back into your body, and they, they say they're having a lot of success. Very interestingly, uh, you know, we, we kind of look to the future of where it might go, and we were talking about whether or not it would have, like, anti-aging capabilities, whether or not it would have, uh, if it could help with people that have had concussions or people that have CTE, so, really, very interesting, but the, the most interesting part about it, and again, you can go and, and subscribe to the archives and get all get the whole story, but something that Moniz and I have talked about in the past, and I think you've discussed it here on the show, but the, the FDA is giving them a hard time. Yes. Because they don't want them to use stem cells to treat these things, because then people won't buy the medications that are being put out by the pharmaceutical companies. Because you've solved the problem. You've you've cured the problem at the root instead of treating the symptoms. Correct. But here's the funny thing about it is the FDA is saying that they're manufacturing a product and therefore it has to fall under FDA approval. But what are they manufacturing? They're not. No. They're they're pulling out the fat cells and they're just extrapolating the stem cells from that. And I think he said they use like a saline solution to keep them in when they go to inject them in it. And that's all they're adding into the pro. They add in they add in one little 
uh, element to separate the stem cells from the other cells. And then they keep it in a saline solution for the injection. You know, they they got to put it into no, something well, to inject I it in. I know how it works, yeah. So, oh, I'm explaining for the audience, oh. Moniz. Not everybody's a chemist. And so they, the FDA is saying, like, well, they, you're manufacturing something. But the person's own body manufactured it. And it's not actually... It's 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 not it's not giving a drug. It's it's a transplant. They're well, transplanting your own cells from one part of your body to another. Well, you you can look at it this way. It's going under the same processes as something like insulin. Okay, insulin is an is just another compound in the body that's extracted. But, but the but insulin that you're taking, yeah, the insulin yeah. you're taking, no, but the, not from your own body. Uh, no, but it's usually taken but, from pork. It's taken from an animal. Yeah, but it's still synthetic to your body, so it's it's not coming out of your body and then going back into your body like Tim's explaining. I think something that would be more along the lines of what Tim is explaining is something like liposuction, where they take your own fat out and then plant it no, in somewhere you know, else. You know what it's more like? It's more like a skin graft, really, more than anything. That's It's the same thing as what I'm describing. You're taking well, a part of your body and injecting it back into your body in a different area or a different are, manner. You guys are both close, but the thing it would be closest to is when they do a plasma extraction and take your platelets and, yeah, and, they take pla- and right. put your platelets back into you. Yes. But... I just find it interesting that that's you know that's the big hurdle here and the the money aspect of it. Of course, you know me being me, I have to ask about the what does it cost to have this done naturally. And uh, they said you know top top of the line treatment is about nine thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So if you have knee degeneration and you need to have a new knee put in and you don't have insurance, it's going to cost you. Forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars for this knee replacement, but you go to see these guys, and with one treatment, they give you one treatment of this, and it will help regenerate your knee. And it's you know top top level, most expensive it would be is nine thousand dollars. So if you're still paying, a good chunk of change, it is. But if you're paying for this out of your own pocket, right? You know, if you're mortgaging, putting a mortgage on your house to be able to pay for your knee replacement because you don't have insurance. I mean, the insurance doesn't cover the stem cell therapy either. So, you know, you could save a lot of money. And so I did ask, so what about, uh, what about like preventative stem cell therapy? Like, what if you just went like to get an oil change once a year? You just go in and they take stem cells out and they put them into different parts of your body where you might be getting, you know, your joints and things like that where you could use some repair work done. And they do it. And, and the interesting part about it is, they see no, there's no side effect to giving you your own stem cells because it's your own cells. Right. So I was just listening to this and I said, huh, like if this is, this is really going to change medicine completely if it works the way that they say that it works. So uh, next time I go to a Patriots game, I'm just going to drop the doctor's business card into Tom Brady's locker, just in case. <laughs> See if we can get him a few more years. 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. If you would like to call in and share any of your thoughts, uh, again, if you want to hear that complete episode of Midnight in the Desert, just go become a time traveler. Uh, go to midnightinthedesert.com. It's on the Dark Matter Digital Network, which we are happy to be rebroadcast on every Tuesday. And I did. Uh, I stuck around, and I did the... I did the um, after midnight show, and they were getting some calls from people, 
And I uh, just want you guys to know that every, all the callers that we got on that show were very complimentary to Spooky South Coast. So they all, they listen, and they think that we do a good job. So just passing that on, because I know none of you were up at 3 a.m. No, I was not. No. Actually, you know what? I was, but I wasn't listening Yeah, to you me. weren't listening if you were. I didn't know that you were on. Oh, I, I put it up on social media. I know, but... Not it, not that late. I no. mean, I put it up at the beginning of the show. But I like it. I, li- I like being able to talk about different things and... You know, reaching a different audience and helping to spread the spooky word, and hopefully some of those folks are here and have joined us here tonight. And uh, and I welcome if anybody is a first time listener. You know, let us know what you think of the show. They uh, they think that the plants need to go. That's what they think. Do you take any kind of mm-hmm. like medication for it? Mm-hmm. Because like mm-hmm. I don't even know if these are even real plants anymore. They are real plants. All right, I'll talk to Phil again about and, it. You know, maybe somebody can. Get rid of the dust mites too. We the place gets vacuumed once a week. I think they're lying to you. No, they. I, I'm here when they do it. I'm I'm right across the hall because then she comes into my office and I always just sit there and I put you my I put my feet, feet up because she's like, oh, I don't I don't have to vacuum where you're working. I'm like, no, you do because otherwise it's never going to get done. So I don't. We have a vacuum here. I don't vacuum my own office. Well, why do you? Why would you? Well, because I'm a messy person. If, yeah, but if they come in to do it, then... Once a week. But if I make a mess, I'm going to pick it up myself. Well, I let it be known in the chat room that I've been asking for the plants to take a hike for years now. It's uh, it's it's totally Phil. It's all Phil. These are Phil's plants. I know. But maybe maybe they'd look good in Phil's office. Phil, Phil I think Phil's... He hasn't expressed this, but I, I, I get a sense of it's... I'm here... Like 15 hours a week, uh, 20 hours a week, you're here two hours. Mm. I win. I think I get that That's sense from really Phil. Phil I, I think if you come in and, and make a personal plea to Phil, say, Phil. Phil's like the nicest guy in the world. It's killing me. And when I go home, I can't get over it. No, seriously, I sneeze all night. And I need I need you to take them out. Maybe that'll work. Because I, I can tell you, like, I'm doing news again a couple days a week i hate that plant over in the corner i know you hate it have you mentioned this to him because i have i've told him i said you're completely blocking my window because that's what i use to give my weather report right because you look out the window but i don't look out i have to look out the window to the to the building across the across the this is an l shape for people that don't know Mm -hmm. we're right in the corner of the l and so i look across at the business across the way in their window at the reflection of the sky (laughs) So I've already got like this uh, this kaleidoscope situation going on, but now that plant's in the way, and I have to like kind of move around and see what's going on. It's just uh, it's big and it's obnoxious, and it really like I, I don't think it adds anything to the studio. So what I hear is that you want me to come in here and ask him myself to have them removed because so it hasn't done any good you. when I've asked. <sighs> no, I I only work in the newsroom two days a week. I can I can work around it. I also have the weather on the screen. Well, as long as our listeners understand that we've we've tried. They don't understand. Don't go to iTunes. Thanks. <laughs> don't go to iTunes or read the reviews. They don't understand. Uh, it's it's. I'm not asking them to understand. I'm I'm telling them. I've never done a drug in my life. So why people think that you're on drugs? That's what you told me. Oh yeah, we did get that one comment. Yeah. Well, you are on drugs. I hope. I hope you're on uh, antihistamines. Before you come in here, is that what it is? is that antihistamines that we take? Well, that's what's in allergy meds. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they don't work. Let's take. Let's uh, let's get some stem cells, uh, and kind of manipulate them to be. Yeah. There you go. 
plant resist. Actually, that's probably something they could do, right? They could probably find a way to. I'm surprised we haven't cured allergies. You know what I mean? Well, they they're starting to. Certain allergies you can do some lot lot more. I saw I saw something recently where they're like, we think we've cured the peanut allergy. They but have. Everybody's so afraid to try it. <laughs> like this. Like we think we we think we've got it so that you can eat peanuts. Uh, all right, that's great, but I still don't want to take the chance. I watched a whole movie at my allergist office about how they they introduce it in small increments until you're completely fine with it. Have Have you? Well, that's that's also what I used to say about food allergies. Like the only way you're not going to be allergic to it is to just eat it. Well, no. Sometimes the more exposure anymore. you have, it's worse. But they have, have a whole system now. Have you seen the new football fields that they build? No. So th- there's one in uh, Seekonk or Swansea. Uh, one of the schools out there put in one of these new fields. So because the artificial turfs have given athletes problems over mm-hmm. the years, they get turf toe and they get all these different you know, you know physical um, impairments from being on this field. So they have this new technology that gives you a, a, a much more natural bounce and a more natural feel and more give. And it's made out of peanut shells. Hmm. That's weird. Like, crushed peanut shells are used to make this field. And you use it for a couple of years, or, you know, like, whatever it is, like 10 or 15 years, however long it lasts, but it's biodegradable, and then you just replace it with a new top layer once that starts to go. But they've been able to put in some sort of technology into the peanut shells so that if you're allergic to the peanuts, it won't make a difference. Because that was my first question, was... Well, what happens if a kid's allergic to peanuts and, you know, gets tackled on the field and he's, you know, face down on that field, breathing in the peanut dust and, you know, he's going to swell up just because he got tackled in a football game and they put in some sort of chemical to make it so that people aren't allergic to the peanut shells. It denaturalizes the protein that causes the problem. Whatever they do, it works. So basically you're playing on a bunch of crushed up peanut shells. Yeah, that's what the whole field is. So it's like playing the game in in the old ground round type of thing. Or, I was going to say or Durgan Park, but you don't have much time left for that because uh, was, no Durgan Park was sawdust, right? Yeah. Well, did they have the peanut shells too? It could have had both, but I'm, I remember. Definitely. See, the, the ground round, you weren't supposed to put the peanut shells in the ground, but everybody did. <laughs> did. But then there's other restaurants where I think Durgan Park you could. Put, that's why there was sawdust on the floor because you could put the peanut shells on the floor and just. It's actually it's a brilliant idea. Because, like, what do you want to do? You want to sweep up the floor at the end of the day, right? You want to get all the stuff that's on the floor. The the, the peanut shells or the sawdust will catch everything that everybody drops. Right. So it's not getting stuck to the floor like it would if it's just a regular straight tile floor or carpet or something. So you're, you're able to kind of just have that, you know, it's basically like being in a hamster cage. <laughs> Essentially. It's, it's, yeah. catch, it's catch. So, you know, if you happen to pee yourself, it's okay because there's... There's sawdust there to pick it up, but yeah, no, I'll I'll, I'll show you the uh, they they have like the diagram of how they've built the field. It's pretty amazing. They're talking about eventually putting it into pro stadiums because they think that'll help increase the athletes. Between that and the stem cells, Tom Brady's going to be able to play forever, <laughs> and the avocado ice cream, whatever works. Again, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is a number if you want to call in. One of the discussions that we had when you guys weren't here, uh, Matt and I were talking about this, is we were talking about 
2019 predictions. And not, you know, I, I don't like when people do prediction shows and folks will call in and be like, I predict there's going to be an earthquake, a major earthquake somewhere on the planet this year. Well, of course, there's going to be. A volcano is going to erupt. Yeah, there's going to be some sort of, I predict that uh, at some point in 2019 there's going to be a hurricane and a lot of people are going to lose their home. Yeah, it's going to, it's going to happen. Like, you can pretty much, outside of a, of a nuclear explosion, you know, it's a pretty safe bet that whatever you predict is probably going to happen. So I don't really like to go that route. I don't really like to have, first of all, it's depressing. Second of all, we just sit here and say, oh, well, uh, thanks for the prediction. I hope you're not right. Because they're going to call in with, like, terrible things. Right. Um. You know, and and then some of them tend to get political. You know, people will call up and say, I predict the wall is going to be finished by the end of the year, or I predict Trump's going to be out of office by the end of the year. You know, like people make it go down that route. So I don't I don't really like to, to go down that road when it comes to making predictions. I like to keep my predictions limited to the paranormal world. Because that's something that we can we can we can handle and that's something that we can debate and discuss. Of course, then you're going to get the people that inevitably will call up uh, and say, "What, what's going to happen? What's the one paranormal uh, prediction that's probably been made every year since people started taking paranormal predictions? Oh, I would say disclosure. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> this is going to be the year we get disclosure about the UFOs. This is going to be the year that there's going to be such a massive sighting of UFOs that, people, that the government's not going to be able to keep it under wraps anymore, and they're going to have to tell the people what's going on. What people don't realize is there's been a slow slow leak of disclosure for over the past decade. And even then, it's still not enough. Well, it's a measured to, titration to slowly acclimate the people. It, but it's it's even those who are looking for it, you know, they're they're not satisfied with what they've gotten. No. So they're still expecting there to be some big dump and happening this year. Let me let me clue you in on something. Even if there was a massive overt sighting and things landed on the White House lawn, there would still be people that would deny it. So, oh, of course. So <laughs> whether it happens or not. I mean, I, and not to make a political statement, which means I'm going to make a political, political statement. statement. Yep. But, you know, the president said today or yesterday that... The government workers who aren't getting paychecks during this shutdown are in support of the shutdown. Like that's that's just kind of ridiculous. But it could be true. People that people that don't want people that aren't getting paid are happy to not get paid. You know what I mean? So like I'm just saying, like, so if you're gonna spin that, you know, people not getting paychecks you're gonna try to spin, how do you think they're gonna spin a UFO landing? You know, they're they're gonna twist themselves into pretzels. Trying to explain it away, and I'm not saying you know the, the president's going to do that, but whoever is the one that starts putting out those that response, that's what we're that's that's just the way that it works. We're, we can just never be honest about anything. Everything has to have that spin to it. So, like you said, the UFO could come and land on the on the White House lawn, and first, of the, I mean, the easy thing to say is this is the first time this has ever happened. <laughs> Like that that's that's the easiest lie to tell. If it is a lie, we're gonna assume that it is. But then like where else will they go with that? It's one of ours? Yeah, but if you're seeing the occupants get out and you know and you know they're not local, so 
I will say this. If it if it was, imagine if that was the case. I mean, I know it's a little bit harder for you because you've been one-on-one with them. But just imagine if that was the case. If it was our technology. If it was a U.S. government program. If they were dressing human beings up as aliens as part of some whatever experiment. Think of how pissed off people would be about that. Well, they do do that. They, they dress human beings up as yes. as aliens. Yes, and uh, take people and do, uh, they're called MyLab experiments. Uh, that's actually been known to have happened for decades. Stephanie, does that make you feel any safer? What did he say? I was, I was that chatting. That there are some abductions that are actually human beings dressed as aliens as part of no. a... No! That doesn't make you feel any better at all? Nope. And let me tell you, the only way that we'll find out is when I shoot one. I mean, and it falls over. I know it won't be an alien. That's not true. No, that, you don't know. If it could I don't be. know. There's no confirming or denying, but I'm sure they bleed different. So we'll figure it out. I don't know if Commander Sani Sido is in the chat room. <laughs> I don't think so. Not yet. Be able to answer us, but it's uh, it's entirely possible. Uh, there's um, there's the possibility that. We do have one of those Phoenix Lights types experiences this year. One of those big UFO sightings on a on a on a great scale that will be talked about for years to come. Sure. So that's a, a pretty safe prediction to make that that may happen. But to predict that it would be something that would be so overwhelming that the government not only of our country, but of other countries, would all come clean with everything that they know, that's a little bit far-fetched. Agreed. I mean, yeah, we have, like you said, every year there's a large, you know, quote-unquote craft, a, a, a big collection of lights in the sky that people attribute to being a large UFO. That does happen pretty much every year around the world. But we would have but, to see it I don't want to say for ourselves necessarily, but we would have to see it at least disseminated through mainstream media to have. Because think of how many, how much distrust of the mainstream media is there by the population right now? Not, Even, nearly, not nearly as much as they make it out to seem. That's it's so overblown. How Americans don't trust the mainstream media? That's that's garbage. Because ninety five percent of what the mainstream media is reporting is not political. So, like, for example, Channel 10 is the mainstream media. Right. So are they lying to you when they report to you about a fire in Fall River? No. So it's... I'm talking like the big network, night, it, nighttime news type of thing. But, I don't think they're always necessarily lying. I think what their problem is is they twist things in right. order to get a rise out of people, and they twist right. it to their advantage so that way people watch their channel and they believe in what they're but trying to push. That's still also so, a, that's also still a distinction between... Talking heads and reporters. Mm. So this would be something that would be coming from reporters if you know if we have this this type of a sighting. This isn't gonna be something that, you know, Don Lemon's going on CNN or Sean Hannity's going on Fox News. Like they might put the story out there and they will put a spin on it. But for the most part, if it's happening, you know, it's gonna be the local news team in that area that are the ones that are out there getting this right. footage. And that local news team will have no reason to put any kind of spin on it. They're just reporting what happens. And when that happens, 
and it gets shared around the world, then we might have some people paying attention to it. But think about how many videos you get throughout the course of a year, Moniz, of people saying, like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I got one today. Excuse me. Somebody tagged me in one. And they said, what do you think? This looks pretty realistic. But it's one person with a cell phone on a bridge with hundreds of other vehicles driving by that bridge as this same thing is out the window that they're right. driving. So wouldn't more of those people have gotten out of their car and filmed it too? And wouldn't we have you know 500 videos of this thing show up instead of just one person? Uh, it, I've seen the same thing happen with... Uh, what, what I call barbecues on the side of the road. Yeah, there's one person sitting there. I use know, the same term. You know, videoing it, and everybody and their brothers just continuing on to but drive by. That's that's a barbecue. That's not a UFO. Right. In the sky. Everybody that's, everybody's seen a barbecue on the side of the yeah. road. Yeah. I know. mean, it's it's you know you hope everybody's okay. Yeah. But for the most part, it's I mean, unless it's like a big roaring fire, then people will probably slow down and like check it out. But generally, you know, we're used to seeing something like a UFO in the sky that people aren't used to seeing. More people, traffic wouldn't still be going by on the bridge. Everybody would be stopped on the bridge and right. watching what's going on. So it's not so much, and that's that's the, the the thing that people fall into when they look at these videos online is they're watching the sighting, they're watching the ship, the the craft, the object. They're not watching the way that people are reacting, and they're not watching around the object, which is really where you can tell when there's edits. Right. Uh, but anyway, so what we see like lots of videos like that pop up every year where, you know, check out this. And they're intriguing and they're interesting, but chances are there's nothing to them or else in today's day and age, there would be more reports of that same thing. Or or the ones I see all the time, there's like 90 to 95% of the ones that people like, hey, check out this video. Yeah, it's CGI. Right. Well, how do you know? Is it? Because they, they all fall for the same website that puts out these phony videos. The minute I see the, you know, this particular website, I know it's fake and they're they're basically a, like a UFO version of onion. And they continuously put out these just because they can. Right. And people and they know people fall for it. It's like, no, it came from this website. Yes, it came from this website. They're a known Entertainment sites, not for legitimate. It's like, but this looks it's, real. You know, well, it's, it's the whole point of CGI. The, if the website is <laughs> ufo.theonion.com, it's probably not legitimate. But so, uh, you know, that's but that's always the the big prediction that people make is you know this will be the year of disclosure. This will be the year of a massive sighting that they can't uh, they can't deny. I, I I will predict this in 2019. I won't get abducted by aliens. Really. Yeah, let's keep it that way. Mm-hmm. Let's keep making that same prediction every year. Uh, but one of the predictions that I had made, and um, as I've come to find out over the last few weeks, just kind of talking behind the scenes, but I predicted that we would see more TV shows that go back to investigation. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to come true just by just this week alone. I've had enough conversations with people to know that there are more shows coming that will be investigative-style shows. So there will be more of that coming out. Um, and I'm glad that it's it's gone cyclical because it means that at least it's not going away. So instead of being like investigative shows, narrative shows, no more shows. Right. You know, if it's going to kind of circle back, 
That's cool. I think things need to be shaken up a little bit. But also, I've noticed uh, a lot of reality shows are coming back that were popular before. Like, Temptation Island is coming back. Mm. You know, so we're seeing, like, kind of a a lot of reboots of some of that stuff. So, you know, I, I think that reality shows run their course. Right. Any reality shows will run their course, and then people will they'll go away, and people will be like, oh, remember that show? That show was pretty decent. All right, well, let's bring it back. So we'll see some more of that. Uh, I want to say that I'd like to see people get, in, in 2019, less obsessed with bringing a bunch of devices out on ghost hunts my goal but it you know it doesn't doesn't really work for everybody you know some people need to have that something to look at because they're not willing to make that leap so they'll you know it's not going to go away completely but imagine what would happen if people spent more time looking at the environment than looking down at a piece of equipment. well i think part of that is because for the most part they're sitting in a dark room so you know, you're just looking at the darkness. Yeah, but you never know what can jump out and stare at you. But I, I do I do understand when people want the stuff. But I also want them to understand you can show me a bunch of blinking lights mm-hmm. and a bunch of changing numbers. And you're not, gonna con- you're not going to convince me of anything. So I get up on my soapbox last week and told you how I felt about it. But the to see if that becomes a trend, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. First of all, it'll save me a lot of money in batteries. But second of all, I'm just kidding. I buy them all at the dollar store. I know. In, We've, the, in the last ten minutes. Well, but see, there's 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 a discussion there. Still on. There's actually okay. no. Yeah, I use dollar store batteries at my house. They they do okay. Like, I put them in my remotes, I put them, you know, in my recorders, all that kind of stuff. They, they do all right. I mean, you you see it on the back of a yeah. battery. It says, this battery is designed to last 35 hours of continuous use. You know, so, like, dollar store batteries rated the same as a, as a Duracell battery in that regard. But uh, this, is, this is a debate that someday we, we need to have, and I don't think we have to have it today, but we definitely need to discuss whether or not It's worth using a dollar store battery for this stuff because <laughs> that argument will always be there that people assume that they will drain faster. And so when you go into a place and you have activity happening and it's draining your battery, people will say, well, is it really draining the battery or is it just because it's a dollar store battery? But then the other side of the coin, the cheap side of the coin, which is the side <laughs> that I'm on. The cheap side of the coin. If I'm going to go to a haunted place and whatever's there is going to drain the battery... I'm not going to go spend three fifty mm-hmm. for the same batteries they can drain for a dollar. That's so true. So it's kind of like an economic over science type of thing. You know, maybe maybe if we get grants, we can uh, we can go get the copper top strained. But who's to say? Even if you ran an experiment, we'd be able to tell if they drain. A battery faster or slower on either one just, because they would might only drain one and not the other. Just like here, which one do you like better? You know, the, we could easily solve the problem by just buying rechargeable batteries, but uh, that's an investment I'm not ready to make. No, because they'll just break anyway. 
then but then at least you get some some extra use out of them. I always said I was going to get rechargeable batteries for like all of my electronics. Never did it. Never did it. It's a lot of work. Even now, like and then it's you not that spend expensive. Time charging them all. Well, if you do it right, I mean, you know, you always have a a set charge and ready to go. But I said the same thing about my cordless drill. And I just, I drain one battery, then I drain the other battery. And I'm like, ah, oh, I guess I got to put one of the batteries on the charger. Mm-hmm. You would think I use my drill a lot <laughs> to have that happen. But so that's that's one of one of the things I think will happen in, in 2019 is I, I hope that we'll see people be more in the moment. Uh, and then one of the things that I think is going to happen, and, and I don't know uh, how much Moniz is, is going to be a fan of this, but I think we're going to see the the cryptid people the people who are you know the let's just say the newcomers to cryptozoology we're going to see them start to dwindle dwindle off which is a shame there are a couple of uh, new kids that are out there that are really big into the crypto well sure and there'll always be people that come into the fold that stick with it but i think we're going to stop you know how like it's become a role that every paranormal team has like everybody used to have their demonologist, now everybody has their cryptozoologist. We're going to see people start to to step away from that because that, they're not they're not finding things and fast enough for their liking. Right. That's the only problem. And it's it's we've made the same prediction in other years, just about other roles. Mm-hmm. Because I'm kind of thankful the demonologist thing died off. I, I am too. But also at the same time, like, I kind of liked having them around because it kind of was, it was interesting to watch. It was interesting to see the dichotomy of who went into that special specialization. You know, it was... You're basically saying it was fun to watch the train wreck. I couldn't pull my eyes away, even though it was terrible. It's a barbecue. I mean, there's some <laughs> there's like, some people that did it that were uh, knowledgeable. There's some people that did it that were not doing it for the right reasons. Then there were a bunch of people that did it because they thought it would make them the badass of their paranormal group. Well, that's that's the people I'm talking about is right. the people that kind of played with fire a little bit, not knowing what they were getting themselves into, and then they were like these giant messes that kept showing up everywhere, and people were calling for help or. The people that basically walked in and said, uh, something's evil here and you have to move out of your house. I'm kind of glad that that died off. And, and, um, because it wasn't fair to the people that were victim of that. And I want to say, like, that's kind of what's moved people away from wanting investigations. Right. Like, I honestly can tell you, like, I get less requests now for, we used to get for personal more than what we could handle. Yeah. And well, now, not more so than much. I would handle because I won't handle any of them anyway. Right. First, it was the people that, you know, have the demons. Then it was the house. Then it's objects right. in the house. And, you know, it's like... Well, basically anything, because right. if people are still experiencing activity and they move, you know, now what's your excuse? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that, that's that's really died down a lot. It used to be a ton of people asking. I would get four or five requests a month. Yep. Yeah. I, I've been doing this in the, well, about 30-something years. In those years, I've only come across maybe three to four cases of what I would call well, a, a, a... I won't give away too many details because, you know, it, <clears throat> it was 
something that was being kept private. But I remember years ago, you came to me and you said, listen, I, I, I think we have a, a demonic case on our hands, and I, and I want you to be part of it because you need to go through this and experience it. And I was hesitant, and I said, you know, I don't know if I'm yeah. if I'm ready to do that, and I, I, I don't want to be there if I'm going to do more harm than good. You know, I don't know how ready I'm willing to believe in all that stuff, and that would probably make it so that I'm not strong enough to be of any value in that situation. And and we went back and forth with it, um, and you kept giving me updates about what was going on, and, and, and it seemed like we were going to have to do something. Like you were kind of assembling a, a, a super team of people that could go in there and handle this. And, and I know that you did your due diligence right from the beginning, and you know what signs to look for. Yeah. And still, a couple months later, you come back to me and said, no, that's off. It turns out that, you yeah, know, it, it was something else. else. Yeah. And so it just goes to show you how far along you can get into that process before you realize what it is that you're actually dealing with. Yep. That was the case in Rhode Island, right? Yeah, and it turns yeah. out it was it was, it was, it was human was, problems. Human problems. The house was haunted. Sure. But, it, you know, the issue wasn't so much the haunting as it was the... We'll call it the family dynamic that was going on at the time. And so it became that the... But even in those hauntings, most of the time, those specific types, it's usually partly human issues. Right. Because they choose to feed on very specific humans. So you still have that dynamic in there that can feed it forever no matter what you do. Right. This was a particular case where the haunting in the house was being exacerbated by the family situation. Yep. It wasn't the other way around. It, you know, it's like, yeah. Right. The, the, Which is very common as well. Right. And again, how do you but stop again, the haunting when the people won't stop and, acting a certain way? Right. <laughs> and you're trying to you're, you're trying to sort it all out. It's like, okay, I'm looking for this, this, and this, and this, and this. It's like telling a family that hates each other to get along for the rest of their lives and not discuss what the problem truly is. And that's, you and I both know that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But. So unless they're completely scared poopless, and and that's why. Oh, we're not on the radio. I could have said what I really thought. <laughs> but but that's why. Well, I mean, we still like to keep it clean. I know. Um. I I, I mean, I just want to put this out there, and I'm not doing this to berate anybody that was dealing with these type of cases necessarily. But if somebody that has gone through this as long as Moniz has. And can get, don't take this the wrong way, but can get fooled yeah. uh, from the start to... I am human. But if, if if you know what signs to look for and you still didn't see them in those early stages, think of how many paranormal groups that don't have the experience of dealing with that yeah. are caught up in it. Well, see, the whole thing with the quote-unquote demon type of cases is what you have to really focus on is the people. Not the, you know, you're looking at all of the paranormal, you know, the people are what is important in a, a true, well, not, same thing with, you know, a regular haunting where they're having a problem. But it's the person that's being focused on that you have to pay attention to. And it's just like a psychologist slowly trying to diagnose something five mm-hmm. minutes at a time. You have to really sit down and be with And also person. without the benefit of a psychologist's education, too. Right. Right. Like, yeah. you're, you're basically... My education is chemistry, not psychology. You're going in with what it is that you know and understand and what it is that you're able to make kind of snap judgments about. Um, so there's, you know, there's just even more room to err. Right. You know, you, 
you have all of these things that you're looking for. All of these things can still show up because of other factors. You know, you have to weed everything out. And like I said, with that other case we were talking about, it took literally months of going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, until finally one thing came out and it was like, okay, this is not part of the normal set. And that one thing led back backwards to several other things. Is like, okay, now this makes sense as to why right. this is happening. And, uh, you know, even going back to those days, like uh, we had a group here in studio on the show from the area that was focusing only on demonic cases. And I remember asking them the question and saying to them, this is supposedly rare, but yet you guys are out every weekend on a case that you feel is truly demonic. So with the edu- and they they were educated in this and they were working with a member of the clergy on this. So I'm I'm sure that not every case that they were taking on was actually a demonic case. But if people with that level of experience, that level of education, that level of information or being fooled by this, just imagine how much, you know, the weekend warrior paranormal investigators were fooled by this. And like Stephanie said, how many times do they go to somebody's house or go to somebody's business and give them devastating news that in actuality was probably not the case? Mm-hmm. I mean, we think that for people who investigate for ghosts, we think that the job of that person, or at least maybe this is the, 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 the general public's perception of that person, is that they're there to tell you if it's haunted or not, if there's paranormal activity going on or if it's explainable. And that doesn't take into account the different degrees of what could be going on. And it doesn't take into account the way that if it is going on, what it means. And not only what it means, but... What can be the psychological effects of that? So you could have a place, let's just say we get called into Joe's house. And Joe has a a, a 19th century ghost that's still in his house. Doesn't interact with him, doesn't bother him. No problems at all. He just, every once in a while, will see something. Or get a cold spot. Or get a shiver down his spine. Or something moves. Or, or just, you yeah. know, just basic stuff like that. We go and we investigate. We prove that it can actually happen. We tell Joe what's going on. And Joe understands. And Joe's like, thank you for proving that I'm, you know, that I'm not imagining things. And Joe's able to just continue on living in his house with what's going on. But now we go over to Bob's house next door. And he's got the same activity happening, and we tell him, no, we just think that you have a 19th, but that just shakes him so much that he can't psychologically handle it, and he loses his mind over it. We're not trained to be able to fortify somebody's mental state to be able to deal with what it is they're dealing with, and we don't know how they're going to react after we give them that information. It's kind of irresponsible what we do. That's why you're supposed to make a judgment about the person when you first 
you know, meet them. You're supposed to scream. You're also talking about if people are qualified to make those judgments, too. That's the thing. Like, you're not really qualified for it. Right. To, To have an effective... And we've we've discussed this in the past. And you have to assume that people are also telling you the truth about everything too. To to have an effective paranormal research group, you should have somebody on your team that is trained in psychology. Mm-hmm. Yes, because you could easily do more harm than good without even realizing what it is that you're doing. Well, the first thing you have to do is establish what are you looking for with with the person. Are you just here to have me validate that there's something happening? Or are you expecting something else of me? You know, the, the, if if you're just looking to have a validation, okay, most people are just looking to see, okay, the, you're seeing, experiencing, recording this, okay. It's when you start to get, we'll call it broader expectations, that's where you need the help of a mentally trained professional. Because then... I don't know. Uh, I, I know I'm not qualified to give a person counsel beyond a certain point. Well, I mean, but also you're using your experience to help right. you with making that determination. Uh, and that may work for you because you've got the years of interacting yeah. with people over these matters. Uh, somebody who just watched an episode of Ghost Adventures and decided mm-hmm. that looks like a fun thing to do, yeah. you know, they might not have that same level of. Uh, of um, well, they did this on this people. episode, so yeah, no, that's well, not. even even that, even if it's not that, I mean, even if they go and they say, listen, I understand that it's not just about what I saw on TV. I have to go and I have to do the research, and I go and I learn all about this, and I learn all the different techniques, and I learn all this, and I learn about false positives. And even if they come armed with all of the information in the world, when they go out there for the first time, it still doesn't mean that they're going to be able to. Read that person correctly. Not only that, too, you have a lot of people, and I've heard them talk over the years, you know, especially after watching Ghost Hunters back in 2004, we're going to go practice first, and then we're going to do this. But what are you truly doing an investigation for? Is it to prove to yourselves that there's a afterlife? Are you, you know, a lot of people say, I'm going in to help the family. But what are you doing by collecting EVPs? How is that helping the family? What is your end goal? What is your your plan to it's, get rid of or or deal with the dead? It's almost like you can't serve both masters at the same time. You can't. Like you can't be on this to learn for yourself and make up your own mind and help people at the same time. You, you can't. have to already you have, to have made one that other. decision. Absolutely. Up. And you know, it, it doesn't mean that once you've decided you can't help people, it just means that you you really shouldn't be doing it in a parallel fashion. No, you shouldn't. And you know, sometimes you know you're going in to help the family, but some of the the evidence that you catch, okay, this is this is phenomenal evidence, but your first goal was to go in and do that. But at the same time, you have to be well equipped in order to know how to help those families. I think having a broad spectrum of knowledge when it comes to everything, whether you believe in it or not, you may come across it. You know, going in without those personal belief systems and knowing how to fight against what you might come across, even if you're not familiar with it. You know, having people that are familiar with it, either on your Rolodex or with you there, can help as well. I've always said that, you know, going in without the knowledge of how to help somebody is is going in blind as well. The other thing you have to keep in mind is the, people like to use the term, clients' belief systems. How do you work Right, around? that's also an issue, too. Yeah. That, so, that sometimes can be again, a bigger issue than the quote-unquote That funding. always makes me laugh, too, because if you have a very religious family that's calling in a ghost hunter for help, I mean, you yeah, already crossed those lines yeah. already. So, Well, 
I guess the controversial question of the night then is, should people stop trying to help people? Not necessarily just stop trying to help people for your own personal gain. I could, I could kind of make an argument for just stop trying to help them to begin with. We'll make it. We're here. Because you don't, first of all, you're not really sure that you're helping anything. Right. I mean, yeah. For the most part, you would like to think that when you go there and you, you figure out what's going on and you share that information with them, you've given them the information that they need to get some sense of what's happening mm-hmm. and some acceptance and some understanding or, you know, maybe just that level of comfort of having somebody come in and do it. Exactly. But you can't be sure going into it that that's going to be the end result. You're just kind of lucky when that ends up happening. I think people need to approach this from an entirely different standpoint. You're not going in to rid whatever's there. We have to accept that everywhere we go, no matter what there has been history before us, there are ghosts and spirits everywhere you go. You go to the grocery store, they're there. It doesn't matter. You're walking down the street, they're there. So allowing people to feel comfortable in their own homes, telling them that it's okay, that you're in charge, you can coexist, having someone, even like myself, go in and be the in-between, between the living and the dead, to come across some type of understanding to allow the two to coexist with each other is probably the best way to go about something rather than, oh, well, we're going to go in and get rid of it. We're going to cleanse the house. We're going to make it this way and make it that way. If people are afraid, help them understand you have bought a haunted house. You live in a haunted home. It is okay. Because a lot of these shows make it not okay. A lot of these shows or a lot of these you know, websites or, or whatever you go to is, your house is haunted. We can fix it. I think that's wrong. You don't necessarily have to fix it. You can what be a translator. What if it's not okay? But why well, is it not okay? Because you don't know what's going to happen. You Just, don't know what's going to happen, but that's why you go in with a different mindset. Don't tell people you're going to fix it. Go in and tell them that you can try to get to the bottom of who it is and what they want. And most of the time, it's just something that is lingering, wants attention, enjoys the people that are there, or they want to cross over. It's not usually always bad, but the amount of messages that come through constantly are, I need help. Things are moving. Well, you don't need help. You just need understanding. Correct. So, you know, I can't live here. I have these feelings. I have that, those feelings. Okay, well, let's talk about it. You know, have you have you gone to a medical doctor? Are you experiencing, you know, depression and anxiety even more so, and you feel like you're going to blame it on the spirit in the house? Have you sought medical attention? You know, starting, you know, on a, a, a logical plane is probably a lot better than just assuming that it's the haunting that's causing everything. So there's a lot of different steps that people should be taking rather than just looking for a paranormal person on social media that's been on television or going to a paranormal website and trying to look to see if an investigative team can come in and rid your home of ghosts. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Understanding, I watched, um, I was in Michigan at the um, firehouse uh, paracon that I did with John Tenney, listening to John Tenney talk and say he broke down the math and said there are X amount of spirits per square footage. It's true. People just don't realize it. And most of the time, the stuff that's happening to you on a daily basis is paranormal activity. You just don't realize it, and you're you're chalking it up to something normal. So if that's not bothering you, then don't let anything else bother you, too. Come to an understanding that there is life after death. We all believe in it, whether we believe that they can come back and visit or not. But knowing that you're okay, you're in control, and that you can call someone that could be that translator between the two of you and allow you to exist peacefully is way better. Right. I'd, I'd like to look at it this way. 
A house isn't necessarily broken because it's haunted. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, that, everywhere would have to be broken. Right. If that were the case, if that was the mentality. But we can't do that. Because then we'd have nowhere. <laughs> it's like, there's a spider in the house. Let's light it on fire. Well, there That's basically what people are saying. 50,000 spiders per acre. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just because you don't see say. the spiders like, doesn't mean they're not there. But if you see a spider come out of nowhere, you can't say, oh, my God, we have to move out. There's spiders here. <laughs> it's the same mentality. So just think well, of spirits as spiders. I, I'm not going to try and help anybody get rid of their ghosts because I can't even get rid of my mouse. So... Have you named him yet? Uh, no, but he's he's still there. Oh, you don't have your cat anymore. No, I don't. But I have a dog that insists on trying to get the peanut butter that's in the live cat mousetrap. I don't blame him, you know? So it's so get him a toy that you can put peanut butter in. Well. And, and last night, the, the little mouse was mocking me. Was he? As I'm doing Midnight in the Desert, he's like walking out into the middle of my office and then like looking, Just looking at me and at you? walking back. I'm stop like, it. you got to stop this, man. Like... You're just torturing me at this point. Name him. We need a mouse name. All right. Mickey. Listeners. Now my biggest fear is that there it's might too, be... too cliche. My, my biggest fear now is what if there's more than one? Uh, you well, see one, there is others. Yeah. Well, they don't travel alone, usually. And they oh. have friends. Looks right. like I'm going to get more traps tomorrow. We need a mouse name. So somebody needs to come up with a mouse name. This is, this is what happens when I feel bad, and I'm like, I don't want to kill him. Like, if I would have just killed him, he'd be dead. No, don't kill him. But because I'm like, no, I'm going to catch him in the live trap and then let him go. Like, now I probably have a family. You're going to catch him in a live trap. Where are you going to let him go? It is cold out. Uh, I'm going to walk down to the beach across the street and let him go. They have to be within, they have to be more than 30 feet away from there where you found them. Yes. Because most mice only travel 10 to 30 feet from where they nest. And if you can get him beyond that 30 foot mark, he'll just start a new, he'll start a new nest. Correct. So I'm going to bring him across the street. To the pond. There's a house there. Yep. Nobody's there all summer, all winter. So he can do what he wants. If he gets into their house, not my problem. I should bring him over to the neighbors that I don't like. Well, you could, but they won't name him. No, they'll probably kill him. They'll probably put out one of those traps that actually kill. But one of the um, one of the things about doing that work of of going to people's homes, and it's. Uh, if there's a reason, I'll do it. But if it's just because you need something proven to you or because you're not sure what's going on, like, eh, I, f- I don't feel right doing that. I've never felt right doing that. But we've talked about it before. You know, like, you'll see people go out and get all the books they think they need to investigate. They'll go out and get, you know, Ghost Hunter's Guidebook. They'll go out and they'll get Picture Yourself Ghost Hunting. They'll go out and get all these books and think that they're ready to do it. But what's the one book they really should have is the big book of pills so that when you're in the person's house, listen, dirty secret, if you're investigating somebody's house for ghosts, it's okay to look in their medicine cabinet. That's you ne- really creepy, but... You need to. Listen, don't joke, because I, I I went with Andy one time. Those that have listened to our archives and have listened for years know who Andy Lake is. Amazing storyteller. He'll, he'll be coming back on the show soon. Oh, Perfect. And um, just so knowledgeable, so smart, can repeat any part of history to you ever. This man I've been working with for close to 10 years now and can recall every single investigation that I've ever been on with him and can tell you every single word I've ever said. So very thorough in his research. And he normally 
talks to clients thoroughly and very many times before, you know, researching and going to investigate. And he talked to this woman like three times and he brought me out to the house. And as soon as I walked in, she was high as a kite. There were pill bottles everywhere. There were pills all over the floor. And you never know what you're walking into. One of those might have taken care of my mouse, by the way. Probably, but I don't think they would have smelled good enough. What do you... Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I don't know what he was doing. That's okay. No, you... Um, <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> but I can't I can't air that laundry out there. Well, um, I mean, and nobody can see him on camera either, so they won't know what he's doing. But, you know, like you were saying, Andy's very thorough in his investigation yes. of, of people. Because like, here, here's the thing about Andy, is he trusts ghosts. He doesn't trust people. Right. You know, he's but it gonna, takes a lot yeah. to get him to trust. So when we showed him to this woman's house, we were shocked because he did so much research ahead of time and like looked up the area, knew everything. It was actually a really nice area. So we were shocked by it. But um, it was uh, it was weird. It was very weird. And I think that that's... So you never know what you're walking into. That's something that, you know, right now with the opioid epidemic, that's mm-hmm. something that you really got to take into account. But not only that, just the casual treatment of every little anxiety disorder, too. You know, that's, that's the other thing, too, is like, I don't, don't want to insult anybody out there, but like some of what people are being medicated for, for anxiety, mm-hmm. in the old days, you would have just said, grow up. You know, like, it's just, it's that easy. I, I am, I'm, I'm not uh, putting down people that actually have severe anxiety. It's, it's a real thing. But... There's also this tendency to somebody to just go to the doctor and say, I feel anxious. Well, here's some Zoloft. You know, like not if, everybody if needs If doctors the are doing that, that's truly irresponsible. It is, but they still do it. Um, I'm going to take a because break in they're this. they're paid to. And I'm going to read you the mouse names, the potential mouse names, because this is getting good. So we have, we can vote on these. Um, obviously, somebody said Mickey, but I just feel like that's way too cliche for your yeah, mouse. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, no be- offense. Ben but, the mouse. Uh, uh, Bart Mouse, uh, Tiny Tim, which is hilarious, Mighty Mouse, Ivan the Russian Mouse, uh, Marty the Mouse, Timmy the Mouse, Monty the Mouse, and it's died off. No, so None of those are really grabbing me. No? No. Not feeling them? I okay. like to call him Gotcha the Mouse. <laughs> That'd be the best name. Uh, and just uh, just a little side note on Andy Lake. I guess. Mm-hmm. Can I let the mouse out of the bag? Should I say it now, or should I wait till? Been been having preliminary talks with Andy mm-hmm. about launching his own podcast. Really? Yes. Because Can we get him to do it? He's excited for the idea. Really? Because that uh, makes me excited. He's brilliant. So, Andy, and he's got the voice for it. He's just he's so awesome. First of all, if you've seen the new the the evening of ghost stories in New England legends stage show, or if you've watched the documentary on Amazon Prime, then you know that Andy is a huge part of the success of that show. Mm-hmm. He's basically the anchor of the entire show. Right. And a few months ago, I was filling in on Midnight in the Desert, but right before Halloween, and Michelle said to me like who do you know that can tell really scary stories? It's the night before Halloween. We really want to get people set for Halloween with some really spooky stories, but they can't they can't just tell ghost stories. They have to be able to tell a ghost story. And I said, well, I, I know a guy, but his focus is mostly just Rhode Island stories. 
So he can come on for an hour with us and j- just tell us Rhode Island stories if, if that's okay. And so she said, yeah, that's, that's great. That sounds awesome. So I called Andy and I said, will you come on this show and w- will you tell some of your s- stories? And he said, yes, yeah. but I, I want you to do it like you would do it in the stage. Don't do it like if you were coming on Spooky South Coast. Right. I want you to tell them like you would in the stage show with that inflection and that drama that you bring to it that has I've heard him tell these stories. Uh, no lie, at least a dozen times, mm-hmm. probably more than twenty times, probably more than two dozen times. And every single time he tells it, I'm riveted. Mm-hmm. I'll be backstage at the stage show, getting ready to go out and do my own story, trying to go over it in my own mind, and I'm getting distracted by hand- hearing Andy tell the story again of Nellie Vaughn. Mm-hmm. So I said to him, I said, "Well, Andy, if you're coming on, I definitely want this story, this story, this story, and this story." Like, these are the ones that are the ones that I love the most, and I think the audience will like them the most. And so I had him tell them, and he even took it up another level. Is he, that even possible? He he did. And, uh, and I think part of it was, you know, with the stage show, people can see you as you're telling the story. So with this, you don't have that, right. that visual element. So he just, he, he found another, another place to bring it. And people are in the chat rooms and, and on the message boards and saying, like, who who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Why have we never heard of this guy? This guy is one of the best storytellers I've He's ever so heard. Cool. And so I, I told them that. I said, Andy, like, they've never had a reaction like that to anybody coming on and telling ghost stories. And I, I got to tell you, it was, it amazed me. And mm-hmm. I've heard you do this for years. So it went into my mind then, yep. like, Andy really needs to do this. And I, I kind of mentioned a little bit of it to him then. And um, now I, I had some discussion with him this week. So we're going we're gonna to get together and we're going to talk about it. We're going to make it happen because it can be something simple. I don't know if you've listened to Jeff Blanchard's New England Legends podcast. I haven't podcast. heard Jeff's podcast yet, and it's, I feel bad. because It's one story per, yep. sh- per show, you know, six to ten minutes an episode. Mm-hmm. and But it's Jeff telling it in Jeff style. Right. And so this will be Andy telling stories in Andy style, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, I think that if you like to hear a good story, you like to hear different storytellers, even if they're telling the same story. Right. So I think it'll be, you know, there'll be a lot of good crossover for the audiences as well. It'll be awesome. And, you know, like you said, even even little things. I mean, he, I talked to him a long time ago about, you know, like what Dark Waters does. Mm-hmm. Dark Waters is very specific where he takes other people's stories and tells them in an Andy fashion, if that makes sense. But um but Andy has so much knowledge that has been lost for years that he's dug up or he's dug up, you know, the the answers to these stories that have been lost in Rhode Island. So I think it's a really cool idea. I look forward to hearing it. And and I think if he does it he'll start off with, you know, Rhode Island stories. Of course. But then I think he'll be able you know, and he can take more stories from the yep. book and but I think uh which is Ghost Hunting Southern New England if you want to pick it up. Yep. Uh but I think he'll also you know, start to just naturally reach out and find more. And plus, you know, I think what Jeff does with his, and like you said, you haven't heard it, but if you if you do listen to mm-hmm. it, and I recommend it for anybody out there, uh, it's it's the perfect podcast because people are like, oh, I can't listen to a podcast. I only I only live fifteen minutes from work. Right. Well, you can listen to this podcast yep. because it's you know usually no more than ten or twelve minutes. But what's what's great about that is Jeff gives you the story behind the story too. Mm-hmm. So he's telling you the legend, but he's also telling you how the legend came about. And I think Andy's strength is he can just tell you the story. Yep. You know, uh, John Tenney's Realm of the Weird is one of the best 
podcast out mm-hmm. there, the short form podcast that I've ever heard, because he just tells you the creepy things that have really happened to him. Mm-hmm. And so when when you just give somebody a story that that kind of that's our tradition, right? Just because you're downloading it and putting it on your phone or listening to it over your car stereo or what have you, it's still that same oral tradition. We just use a different form of the campfire now. Mm-hmm. So uh, look for that because we we got to make it happen. Yeah. And I told him, I said, I don't care if it's you just come here for like one day a month, mm-hmm. and I got to set up my microphone and everything, and you just read ten stories, and then I I make. 10 episodes out of that for you. I don't care even if I have to do the work. Right. You know, we, we got to do it because first of all, it'll help him build his brand a little bit, but it will, it will satisfy something that's missing in all of these storytelling podcasts that are out there. Right. So we need to hear his voice and I'm sure people, uh, will enjoy it as well. 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. At least the, uh, now, the phone lines haven't been, been on fire tonight, but at least the nope. chat room is Yes, I've been buzzing. trying to keep up. I want to say hi to everybody in there. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for watching. We are doing this every Saturday night now. Uh, I have to pay attention to next week's. No, I think the Patriots are definitely on Sunday mm-hmm. next week, so I don't have to go to the game. But uh, there will be a, a game on the radio next Saturday night, so we won't be on the radio. We will be streaming just like we are, but our guests will be Greg and Dana Newkirk. I guess Dana still goes by Matthews, but you know, either I've way. seen both. Yeah, I've seen both. But Greg and Dana from the Traveling Museum of the Occult and the Paranormal from Planet Weird, they're joining us to talk about the new web series they have, Hellier, which looks amazing. Yes. I've been following along with this story since they started researching right. these goblin reports mm. uh, just about seven years ago, I think it was. Yeah, it was. And so they're going to have everything kind of come together in this. Uh, and, and I think they're releasing all the episodes at once. So I you believe can, they are. So you yeah. can binge watch the show. But they're going to join us next Saturday to give us a little preview of that and also to talk about their work that they do because they're actually coming up here uh, later on in the year. At the end of April, there's going to be, they're calling it the, the X-Files Yes. X-Filers. X-Filers. So there's going to be a convention in Rhode Island that they'll be at. Moni's, I know that you're in discussions to be there. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, for those of you who have not had a chance to meet Greg and Dana and to see the traveling museum, it's a great chance to do it. And I can only imagine what kind of weird topics they're going to be talking about, but there's a whole bunch of great speakers, uh, coming to this event and more being added. So. Uh, you know, this is this is something that's a, a good thing for them to come on and let the the local audience know about as well. And then we'll, we will have my family come on. I, I was originally scheduling it for this week. I decided not to do it because I want to have us be over the radio mm-hmm. so we can share the story with the local audience. Uh, but we will have them come on. And we're also going to be doing some episodes uh, discussing psychic vampires coming mm-hmm. up, which uh, Moniz and I were discussing this earlier on the phone. We last talked about psychic vampires. Uh, it was a while ago when we had Michelle Belanger on, and we only really kind of scratched the surface of that. And I think people's approaches to psychic vampires have changed so much mm-hmm. from then. Back then, it was kind of a, a, a new idea, and people were like, oh, "I don't know if I really buy into that." But I think now it's it's become a thing. Like now, we kind of realized where we are surrounded by people who are indeed psychic vampires, energy vampires, mm-hmm. and 
you know, kind of a commentary on modern society, too. Like, we're finding more and more that there are people that just drain everything out of us to have to deal with. You know, I, 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 I deleted people from social media just because I'm like, I can't do it anymore. Right. Uh, whatever, whatever value there was in me having you be my Facebook friend or Twitter follower or Where's whatever, like it's, it's the, the bad part, the, the, the fact that you get the hair on the back of my neck standing up every time I see something that you've posted, it doesn't right. outweigh that. So. I mean, if if I've dropped you as a friend, don't take it personally. It's just because you're an a-hole. <laughs> there, there are some people, though, that I have just done that because, like, if I put something up, I don't want it to turn into, like, you going off on a soapbox. It, you know, unless I'm soliciting opinions, mm-hmm. that's a different story. But And sometimes I put things up that I think are funny. And people just don't realize that it's okay to laugh about things. Like, those are the people that I can't stand. I just stay away from religion and politics altogether on social media. It makes life a lot easier. No, well, not me. Well, like I, I said, if it's funny, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it. But, or if it's just ridiculous, if it's utterly ridiculous. I just don't think I'm that we should out. judge people based on their their decisions to support or not support something that they believe in but that's what it's come down to now it it's, it's not just political it's, it's everything not, it's everything it, like everything is like if you it's like, like a tribal mentality that somebody doesn't like it's like let's judge them for it yep. no, right I'm, back so, I'm to sorry, the bullying mentality i'm sorry i can't be friends with an adidas person right no right well people have been superficially judging people for that's what i'm saying yeah, we're, yeah. we're back to the bullying yeah. mentality and it's it's just mainstream now because of social media i don't know if it's bullying necessarily as much as it is it's proxy bullying yes. that's what i call it proxy bullying because they bullying put, in groups now well, well that and the, it's just the clone here or whatever it's puts that insulating layer so you know you, well that too but it's we've created still bullying. we've created echo chambers and you can just live in your own echo chamber now you um you know the the group bullying perception now like on on social media is I might not necessarily like you for this, this, or that reason. Oh, but we both have the same political affiliation, so let's gang up on these people together, even though we don't you, know each you know other. It's, it's like, you know what's interesting about the paranormal world? It's the same freaking way. No, that we started that. <laughs> we started that long before the rest of society caught up with it. Oh, it's awful. Remember orbs? Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Remember orbs and photographs? It's yeah, like if somebody that's... doesn't agree with you, let's let's bash you. And I don't understand that. Or like if you don't like the way somebody looks or whatever, like just stop it already. It's 2019. That's uh, Everybody looks the same in night vision. It, they that's all look true. ugly. That's not true. No, like that's I not said. true. <laughs> I am one handsome MFer. In night vision, are you? I went, are you? I was watching. Is it the beard? I was watching. It's the. Well, I don't have those capabilities. It was watching conversations with a serial killer. Remember that show? Oh Williams? yeah, it's up on Amazon Prime now. Oh god! And so somebody pointed it out to me. So I went back and I was watching it. I was like, Damn, I should do more night vision work. I actually look good in night vision. So you know, ladies, I don't. If you uh, if you're watching Spooky South Coast, put the night vision filter on. And uh, I, I can't will be the man even of your dreams. Stop it right now! I did. Uh, I did get a, 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 on that show. I didn't have a beard, but uh, I did get a compliment on my beard earlier tonight. Did you at Taco Bell? 
Did you really? At the drive-thru. The dude that was working the drive-thru, like, you know, goes to take my, my money and he's like, oh, wow, nice beard, man. I think the last time I went through that Taco Bell drive-thru, he opened the window and said, quick, answer right now, African food or Jamaican food? He's he's an interesting character. And I was like, uh, he's like, I need to win this bet. I was like, which one should I choose? He's like, I can't tell you. He's watching me. I was like, all right, uh, Jamaican. And he's like, yes, I win. I'm like, thank God. But I'm the, 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 see, normally I don't like antics. I'm, I'm kind of an anti-antic person. I know that. But I know you will. I can deal with, like, I, I enjoy the antics there because I still get my food fast. Like, it's not holding up the process. Mm-hmm. It's just entertaining me as the process is happening. They are probably the fastest at getting you your food out of anybody. Not so fast is the place across the street. Very slow. The Wendy's. Very slow. Yes, it is. And they ran out of Heisey Fruit Punch today. How do they run out of anything? That, I don't know. That machine just makes it out of magic. Did you know that? There's no I, there's no syrups or anything. It just, what? It just magically... Is that why it tastes so terrible? It just magically turns thin air into flavors. Stop it. It's a magic machine. So gross. No, everything tastes like diet soda out of that machine. Because once diet goes through the nozzle, everything mm, tastes like diet. You know what? You're correct. Maybe it's the aspartame. That's what I'm tasting because it's so disgusting. I don't know if I don't know if it's that. I don't know. If you know, I honestly got stopped eating Wendy's after they, they changed. Did they take that out of? No. I thought they took it out of the drinks. Nope. Uh, Every single diet soda out there is no, di- made with aspartame. Diet Pepsi doesn't have it. No, it it does. Only they call it something different. Oh, I would say that's their marketing campaign. Nope. It contains no aspartame. But uh, either way, like once diet goes through the hose, forget it. So disgusting. And you know what's the worst part? It, by the way, we have nine minutes into the show, and we're just now getting to the snack talk. I know. But um, you know what? That's what we're known for. Also, P.S., a big hell yes to beige color leggings on night vision is a big nope, Chris Andre. I am uh, I am looking at some of the uh, the comments here. I'm trying to keep up. I I, I don't know. I, I pigeonholed myself for Spook Cat. Did you? Yeah. Because we're spooky siblings, so... Are you? She can't get excited about me in night vision now. But, uh, yeah, so we've gotten to this point where we're talking about the, the, the snacks. But uh, when it... Maybe this is just a problem for me, but if I go to a restaurant and they accidentally give me a diet soda, and mm-hmm. I take a sip out of it, I'm like, ugh, that's diet. Yep, it's horrible. And I'm like, hey, can uh, can you just bring me another one? This is diet. And then they bring me a regular soda and I taste it. It still tastes like diet. Once that taste is in my mouth, really, it all tastes like diet. After a while, I'm okay if I switch it up. I just I I hope and I take their word for it that it wasn't still diet, but sometimes I think that it still is. They're like, shut up, you're fat, you need diet coke. Anyway, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. If uh, if you would like to get involved with the discussion, I, and and Jimmy says in the chat room, uh, you know. All that he can drink is diet soda. I feel bad for you, man. I feel bad because for me, like, I don't get excited about beer. A lot of people are like, oh, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't either. I like microbrews and I like to go to this place. And you know, I'm like, uh, like, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll try different beers, but I get excited about sodas. If you tell me you have like a small batch craft soda, Mm-hmm. I want to try that. If you tell me that you have like the ultimate cream soda, 
I want to try that. If you think you have a, a, a root beer that can beat Virgil's, I want to try that. You know what else you're like that about? Ice cream. No, I'm not really that particular about ice cream. I'll eat any ice cream. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, you need to try them. Like, oh, that sounds that sounds great. What flavor is that? It's a crazy flavor? Yes, I want to try that. Oh, yeah, that. yeah. I'll try those. But, like, I'm not, like, picky about it. I'll I'll eat any ice cream. Not any ice cream, but no, most ice cream. No, you wouldn't eat any ice cream, but you will try any ice cream. I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm not hugely... I'm not a huge chocolate fan. Nope. I, um... I don't really like stuff with a lot of, like, fudgy bites in it. And, like, <laughs> I was over cookie dough, like, pretty quickly. It was kind of cool, like, the first couple of times I had it, but, like, I'm really over cookie dough. Uh, I don't think I've ever had cookie dough ice cream. Really? Yeah. Like, real cookie dough, like, from scratch? Yes. I will eat that See, all like, in, in the, in the eight, well, did you know that you can't just eat raw cookie dough anymore? Why not? Like... There's something in it that can make you sick. Yeah, salmonella. No, but there's like some ingredient in it, so they they now they make they make safe to eat raw cookie dough. No, no, yeah, I know that, but it's always been salmonella. But I just made cookies from scratch for the last two weeks in a row, and I ate but, it, no problem. So it was a cushion at Creamery, and I saw that. But Dairy I didn't made try theirs. both had the edible cookie dough. Yeah, was it good? They yeah, it was really good, but it was way too sweet for me. Mm. And but they kept selling out; they could not keep it. In the house, and when I you went to that. a cushion of creamery, they gave you like a huge batch of it with like a huge bunch of mm-hmm. ice cream on it. It was it was crazy. Um, I am fortunate to work here and get to try a lot of a cushion of creamery flavors. You are. Donna is awesome. She brings over all kinds of stuff. I've heard. Uh, they're closed for the season now, though, so we're sad. But yeah, ice cream, I'll try anything. Soda, I'm I'm pretty discerning about. I'll I'll give it a try, but. It's not a lot makes it past my... Right. Like, Sprite, 7-Up, I'll drink them sometimes, but, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's... Come on. <laughs> um, you know, I, I enjoy a good grape soda. I, I like the pineapple soda. I've almost got to the point, Matt, you, you can appreciate this. I don't think I can ever go to, like, the dollar store and buy the big three-liter anymore. Oh, really? Like, because it's it's just not good. And you know what? But just the root beer or just like... No, anything. Any, anything. Any, yeah. Like the cola. The orange I can do. I can do I can do generic orange. Yeah. But... Can you can you still do uh, like RC cola? I still do like RC. Yeah. It's, it's different. It's mm-hmm. different. I, I had that down in Tennessee. That's all they served at one place I went to. Hmm. Sorry, my ass was getting sore. Um, did you... Probably because I drank too much soda. Did you... Uh, did you ever have the Virgin Cola? Um, I think I did, yeah. So Virgin Cola had its own distinct flavor that uh, there was... <sighs> Once upon a time, when I was a kid, we used to take... My dad got really mad because we would have a two-liter bottle of soda in the fridge. Right. And I'd have a bag of Skittles. And I would put the bag of Skittles into the soda, and I called it fruit soda. Right, right. And I, I think we've all, all kids have uh, experimented. Uh, yeah, but I ruined the entire two-liter bottle of soda right. by doing it. Instead of just doing it in my cup, I did it in the entire bottle. And uh, so that flavor is what the virgin cola tasted like. I believe it, yeah. No, I'm sorry. It wasn't virgin cola. 
OK Cola. Oh yeah, I remember. OK that Cola stuff. was the one that had that. That was flavor. sought after. I, I I looked all over for that stuff. Country Market. Country Market had all of it. it had Jolt. It, it didn't have it for a long time. I think I found it somewhere. But yeah, OK Cola tasted like the fruit soda. So if you miss yeah. that flavor, just drop some uh, Skittles in your Coke. Those commercials were so great. That was weird. Remember. Was that the one with like all the different people like moving around? No, it was just like a, that's what was a on guy. the can. It was a guy telling the story, and the end of the story was just like, and everything was okay. Oh, oh, I don't, I don't know if I remember those. Um, yeah, Virgin Cola, I don't really remember all that well. Crystal Pepsi's back. Tastes fruitier than I remember. You know, it was it? it was pretty fruity back then. It's citrus. It's citrus soda. Is it? I always thought it was just like, I don't know, like Sierra Mist with like a, like two eye drops of like Pepsi. Are you ready? Are you ready for the most blasphemous statement you've ever heard me make? Sure. You've known me for a long time. That's, Mark, that's a lie. Their polar root beer is good. Yeah, I think I've it's had polar, be a, it, polar, polar has cream to soda. Be, polar has to be in a glass bottle. If it's not in a glass bottle, it's trash. Polar cream soda is pretty good. You know what I miss is the very fine glass bottle juices, like the fruit punch. Oh, yeah. oh those were so good. Polar used to make a chocolate soda. It was delicious. Really? Yeah. It was weird, but it was delicious. I actually remember yeah. that. Yeah. But what was that? Uh, what so was that? Your, your statement? You, you've, to... you've known me for, for, for over 20 years. Right. Moniz, you've known me for a long time, too. This is probably the most blasphemous thing you've ever heard me say. I'm starting to enjoy Pepsi. Really? Huh. I went to the store the other day, and I bought Pepsi over Coke. Huh. That's... For you, that's insane. That's, that's insane. Have they, changed, just, have they changed the recipe? No. I just... I think that I have... Your tastes are changing? Uh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I still love Coke. Hmm. But every once in a while, I'm like, I'm going to switch it up and have Pepsi. So that's that's wow. a new thing. Did Funny story. I don't think I've ever told it on the show, but I might have told you guys personally. When I was a kid, I went to Rocky Point, And it was the summer of, it was probably, what, 1987, 88, whatever, when they were having the, the Pepsi challenge. And, yo, mom, so stupid. She took the Pepsi challenge and chose Jeff. Sorry, that joke just came to my so that came in my head, but so the I went to 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 Rocky Point. And they were doing the Pepsi Challenge at a booth, and the guy was telling me, "He's like, you're not going to know the difference. You know, you're not going to you're going to choose Pepsi." I'm like, "Nope." So he poured the cups. I'm like, "That's Coke. That's Pepsi." He's like, "Well, hold on, let me try it again." That's Coke. That's Pepsi. Like I nailed it every time because I could always tell the difference between the two. And I know, like, they, they taste completely different to me. And also what the guy didn't realize is the more that I kept taking that, to- I essentially just got a free soda, soda. from that guy on a hot summer day. <laughs> Should we tell the Biffy right. story before we go? What do you think of RC? Uh, we were just talking about RC. It's it's okay, but it's not okay. Okay is different. Okay, colon is different. <laughs> But RC's okay. I don't I don't so, dislike it. Somebody mentioned the uh the Moxie soda. No oh, Moxie God. is terrible. You, you have to try one every once in a while to remind you that it's that is terrible. terrible. Yeah. I have a friend that loves Moxie. My friend Cooch absolutely loves Moxie. What's that? Um, it's, it's that what's that weird root that it's made out of? Sarsaparilla? Sarsaparilla. No, it's like a it's a weird root that's oh. like in Maine. 
Oh, I don't know. I'm going to Google it. Uh, Route I, 138? I had somebody that <laughs> I knew that used to drink <laughs> it all the time, and they used to mix anisette with it. I'm like, it already tastes like anisette, doesn't it? it that's what my point is, is like, uh, why? And then, and then they wash that down with a handful of good and plenty. <laughs> some, some licorice. Something called gentian root. That's gross. Yeah. Uh, should I tell the Biffy soda story? You should, because <laughs> that's pretty funny. So uh, so Biff was the guy that owned the diner mm-hmm. that, that Matt and I used to work at. And uh, so we had Coca-Cola products there. We had a, a, a machine with various different products. Probably, what, about seven, eight different sodas. Right. And one day, I don't know how we got into this discussion, but he tried to tell me that if he blindfolded me and gave me a soda, I wouldn't know which soda it was. That all sodas taste the same. And that we only think it has a different flavor because we're looking at it. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure that if it's if I hold my nose, I can't tell the difference from one to the yeah. other. And he's like, no, you just have to be blindfolded. Okay. And, and I said, no, I bet you a week's pay oh, God. that if I blindfold you and I give you sodas, you're not going to be able to tell which one it is. I say, like, I will take that bet. So keep in mind, I probably made about, what, four or five hundred bucks a week. It's pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty significant. For the, for the day, and uh, so he tells me he he blindfolds me and he gives me the soda and I taste it. Like that's orange, that's root beer, that's Coke, that's diet. You know, like I nailed every single one. And so then I take off the blindfold. And I'm like, all right, you owe me a week's pay. And he's like, no, I'm not going to pay you. Why aren't you going to pay me? Because if because if you had lost, you wouldn't have paid me. <laughs> like that was his excuse to not give me the money. Uh, I was so angry. But even if here's here's the funny thing. Even if I have my nose pinched, I can still tell the difference. Certain I'm, ones, yeah. I'm just would... no. I'm just that discerning. Okay. When it comes to soda. All right, that does it for this week's show. I think we've we've fallen off the cliff. Yeah. Uh, although we're getting a lot of uh, the cherry Pepsi is pretty good. I do it's like the, the cherry it's Pepsi. My favorite. Um, and the cherry vanilla. Dr. Pepper is really good too. And if you do yeah. have so if you do have to drink a diet soda, mm-hmm. I would highly recommend drinking diet A&W soda Mm-mm. or uh, uh diet A&W root beer or diet Dr. Pepper. And even diet Mountain Dew. Like those three taste really close to. I haven't made the leap yet to try the Coke Zero next door because they say that they've changed the formula of Coke Zero so it really tastes like regular Coke now. But okay. if it still leaves that little bit of aftertaste in my mouth like a diet soda does, I can't can't do it. Uh before we go, one more one more quick soda memory. Do you remember the uh the coffee coke? I don't know. We got it at the, at the diner. We got it in, in bottles at the diner. It was like Oh, it was real? Yeah, it was it like, wasn't like we mixed something together. No, it was like coke it was like a like a coffee coke mixture. Oof. Yeah. We got it at really? the diner and nobody bought it. Like huh. all of it went it was like a like a a trial thing, I think. Really? Yeah. Huh. Nobody yeah. got it, and it all went bad, and we still kept putting it in the I fridge. Remember it. I remember Dr. Ashtray. But. <laughs> Dr. Ashtray. <laughs> uh. <laughs> anyway, uh, that does it for this week's show. We'll be back next week when we'll be talking with the New Kirks about the new show, Hellier, coming up on planetweird.com, and we'll be talking about... Uh, 
all of their work with the Traveling Museum of the Occult and the Paranormal. So until next week, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooky. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk Entertainment, the Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store.